Well, welcome to the, this episode of The Authentic Advisor, which discusses and debates the hot topics impacting business advisors globally. My name is James Mason, and I'm pleased to be joined today in person by Simon Drum, the Director at PSVC Advisory based in Melbourne, Australia, uh, to discuss how he's leveraging MindShop diagnostic tools to drive efficiency and effectiveness in workshops, sales and coaching with his clients. So thanks for joining me, Simon. Thanks very much, James. Thanks for having me. Great. So uh, I thought a good place to start would be just to better understand a bit about your business, how you go to market and the like. You've been in MindShop for six or so years now. So uh, yeah, just interested to hear a bit more about your journey today. Yeah, so my, my background, James, in, is in agribusiness. Um, I grew up on a farm. I've worked in agribusiness for 25 years. So that's where the, where the passion is. Uh, range of different roles, operations, commercial, general management, positions in, in corporates and SMEs. Uh, in my last role, uh, I found myself in a MindShop leadership group run by Michael Burke. And I had in the back of my mind this idea of, of moving to advisory. And I guess that, that engagement cemented that decision. So mm -hmm. in 2017, I joined MindShop as an advisor. Great. Uh, yeah, time flies when you're having fun. It, it? Does. Um, it does. And uh, so, your model at the moment, it's, it's very sort of workshop, um, you know, what, what sort of service lines are you offering um, yeah. to clients? Yeah, so my target clients are vertically integrated agribusinesses, so with a primary production element. Yep. So what, what we're endeavouring to do is to improve their profit by helping them align their, their production with their target customer mm -hmm. and then drive the waste out of their processes with combination of lean tools and workforce transformation type work. Mm -hmm. So the the service model, it's a retention-based business model, probably 80% of my revenue is on retainer. And that's partly to do with the nature of the work. We don't get a result on the sorts of things that we're working on quickly or by writing a report. It's a very involved type process. Um, and so certainly do a fair bit of diagnostic work, planning work, discovery type workshops up front. And then the retainer works about, you know, working with the businesses team to make sure that we embed it. Yeah, great. And yeah, I mean, you touched on the, the, the heavy focus at the start on diagnostics and, and using that to, I guess, discover and tease out insights in advance of a lot of your workshops. Do you want to just explain a bit more about that and how you go about creating them on the MindShop system? Because I know at the moment, I think it's you know, 62% of advisors are saying they're using some form of diagnostic tool, which is great. But yeah. I think you've certainly been an exemplar in the way you've grabbed it and embedded it into what you do. Yeah. So while while I work with a wide range of agribusinesses, the, the fundamentals of them are the, are the same. They're, they're nearly all in primary production, they're nearly all in manufacturing. So the their core processes or functions are consistent right across all of my clients. So when I first seen the diagnostic stuff at a, at a mind shop training session, I could see immediately that if I pitched it at the process level or the function level, I'd be able to develop these and, and use them over and over and over again. So mm -hmm. that, that leverage word was ringing in the back of my mind. If I'm going to put the effort into this, am I going to be able to use it over and over? Um, I'm a very process orientated thinker. And so that structure of, you know, using qualitative questions to turn 
an understanding into a quantitative answer, mm-hmm. really, really powerful in, in what I do. Okay. And uh, so you're getting that obviously out in advance to people. And what's been the, some of the feedback you've had? Yeah, so from a workshop perspective, um, the, 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 I guess there's a couple of significant pieces to making them really work well. Getting enough people to do the same diagnostic is really important. The, mm-hmm. An individual doing a diagnostic will tell you certain things. If they answer five for everything, okay, so they're either disengaged or not very interested or, or might not understand the subject matter. Now, mm-hmm. you can work out whether they understand the subject matter through some conversation, but they're starting to speak to you about where their head's at. Mm-hmm. So whether they like it or not, they're already starting to communicate with you. Mm-hmm. Um, but the real leverage is when you've got that comparative analysis. So if you can get four or more people to do the same diagnostic, the, the divergence in answers tells you something. The the shared weaknesses that they identify tells you something as as it does with the strengths. Mm-hmm. So once you've, once you've started to get into the rhythm of analysing what's going on there, huge amount of information that comes out before and then as a consequence the way that you run the workshop what success factors you're focusing on the direction of the data that you might ask them to pull before you go in because you see something in the diagnostics that that's not right so what give me some evidence so when we get in there we can we can unpack stuff that doesn't doesn't look right or validate it one way or another well and it gives you time to incubate ideas in advance as well and as you said shape the workshop and uh, historically when people weren't doing a lot of that pre-work you're going in blind to a certain yep. extent having to think a lot more on your feet so are you finding you're getting better outcomes in the workshops because of that yeah so the i guess and it, and it goes to some of the product mix and the way that i that i do it um you know sometimes businesses are going to balk at a day rate mm-hmm. and and when you can articulate the amount of value that we're going to create as a consequence of of using the diagnostics up front and then the depth of thinking that goes on as a consequence of having that insight before you go in i've had clients sit back and go oh wow when you give them that one page plan i said it's it's so detailed there's there's so much insight in there and that, and that's the that's the process of, mm-hmm. of hanging all those things together and then it pretty quickly the discussion's not about not about day rates they're thinking yeah no, there's a lot of value in here yeah, because you've added a lot more to the surround to a certain extent. And, and you know, when you, because I know we've obviously got a lot of templates that we have in Mindshop, but for your niche and area of focus, you've developed a lot of custom diagnostics. Have you found the process of creating those relatively straightforward? Um, straightforward, no. <laughs> um, it, it really stretched my, my thinking. I, to be fair, I started with an area that I thought I knew particularly well so Mm -hmm. for anyone that hasn't done one whether you think that's the first one you're going to use or not pick an area that that you know really really well um the obvious mind shop tool to use is mind mapping you know get clear on what process we're trying to unpack and then what might the success factors be and i say might it's a real brainstorming exercise and then obviously off those first bubbles is the what are the elements that might sit under each of the success factors? Mm-hmm. And I, I could, I carry those things around in my bag for days, weeks, months, um, 
and you know you'll just run into things with a certain client and you are uh, yeah there's a big hole in in there um and so from that mind map then the the second phase for me um i had a, I had a clever market research guy teach me years ago that you know simon you're you're good at asking really blunt questions that's probably not the way we want to phrase them to the audience <laughs> yeah and so we work well together i'd give him the blunt question and he'd write the articulate one so i take myself through that process now i'd get it out of your head mm-hmm. don't it doesn't need to be pretty but start to get your questions down under each of the success factors mm-hmm. and then make them look pretty later and make them work on the scale that we've got to work with yeah set the context of them right and and they have to be relatively succinct and the like and that's probably trial and error because you can obviously update them yes. once you've got something up there as, as well um but i think you're right you know whilst it's easy to sort of put them in the the hard works in the planning of it all and, oh, yeah. and you've seen some people you know come up with some that are pretty uh, generic but i think to get those really articulate and the powerful questions out takes takes a fair bit of time yeah, it does and and i guess the other advice about the questions is ask an extreme question so we've got a scale. If you ask a neutral question down the middle, you'll get a neutral answer. So, you know, performance type questions and, you know, what's your staff retention like? Is it above 90%? Well, no, it's nowhere near, but otherwise you're not going to get that breadth of answer. Yeah, yeah. You, can, you can ask a very dull question, you'll get a dull answer. Yeah, and I think giving people the opportunity to, uh, you know, uh, I guess self-analyse, can, they can sometimes... Um, overcompensate in terms of some of their scoring and the like, but if it's actually specific to, like that to say, you know, it might be something around vision, have you actually documented it and communicated? Well, it's, you know, if they haven't, then they're obviously not probably above a certain rate. Yeah, were, were the leaders in the strategic planning session or not? Do they own it or not? Like, yeah, real sort of yes and no type stuff. Yes. We want that insight to come out when the report gets generated. Yeah, yeah. great. And so, you know, obviously that touches on, the pre-work and use of diagnostics coming in the workshops, but I know you're using diagnostics in a few other areas as, as well. How's that been going for you and what are some of those areas? Yeah, so from a from a sales perspective, they can be really powerful. Um, at the very least, if you can get someone to engage with a diagnostic bef- before they're a client, mm-hmm. there's every chance that you're going to demonstrate some capability through, through the questions that, that you've got there. Um, Better still, they'll learn something and, mm-hmm. and start to self-analyse, think about where they are. Um, if you've hit the mark with the diagnostic that you've given them, then you ought to move them through their sales cycle closer to a to a buy point. And yep. worst case scenario, they've spent 15 minutes of their life looking at a diagnostic. Mm-hmm. Jump. So it's not, it's not a high bar no. to get people to, to look at. Um, uh, from a, it's oh, another area. Um, so from a client screening perspective, they can be really useful. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're in that early stages of talking to someone, you might not have any, any background on them. You get a sense of where some pain points might be. Mm. If the diagnostic's built and you're sending them a link, your investment in it's very, very low. Hmm. Um, if they don't touch it, it's cost you T- nothing. It tells you a bit about them as well, doesn't yep. it? Yep, it tells you all you need to know. So hmm. 
So drop that one down your sales cycle list or off. Yep. Um, if they do it and they and you know they haven't taken it seriously, we think twice about again whether you invest your time mm. down that route. And in the best case scenario, they do it and they do it seriously, and now you've got some really rich information to have a now where how type conversation that's you know you've got an unfair advantage almost mm. in the next conversation yeah oh and as you said it, it sort of sorts them out whether they're keen or not but I'm, I'm with you that you get such a richness of insight in advance of that that i think gets you know i think framed in the right way it can be taken as in the right context that it's not a thinly veiled you know sales pitch i've seen some diagnostics where it's you know have you got this have you got that have you Whereas I think if it's trying to better understand the business in advance, that's giving a better outcome for each party in that sales context as well. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't have a sales diagnostic. I, I've got diagnostics for a process that I want to understand better, or a function I want to understand better. They're either interested in wanting to understand that process or function better, and if they are, then there's value. Yeah. So it, it's an authentic exercise that you're doing with them. Yeah, and and that's the feedback we've been getting those that are just you know flicking stuff out that is a genuine you know i'm just trying to fact find about a prospect you're getting very little take up of it but if somebody's shown some interest that you know might have had a referral and you're saying hey let's have a call but if you could do this in advance i think it works really well on that basis yeah i've never had i've never had a single person click on a diagnostic on my website and complete it Mm -hmm. like that that cold call stuff is is stone cold, stone cold dead, I think. Yeah, I agree. Uh, that's certainly been our experience as well. And uh, the vast majority of people I'm seeing getting uptake on diagnostics are embedding it in workshops, triaging sales calls, um, sending in advance of an initial coaching. It's got a purpose yeah. to yeah. it. Um, and there's a lot out there in the market now that from a diagnostic perspective that are supposed to be sort of lead generation things, but that's not been, maybe that's the type of things we're selling, but I don't think for our style of services in advisory that's going to work all that well. No, I don't think so. No. Um, so what are some other tips you'd give to people who are heading down this path of you know wanting to use diagnostics more effectively? Any tips of things to do or things not to do um, from your experience in, in leveraging diagnostic tools? Um, things to do. Um, it, was a, it was a point I made earlier in, in terms of utilisation that that breadth of user, um, the comparative analysis is, is really when they come into their own in terms of in terms of insight. Um, they're never done, so you, you, you know. As I said, I drag them around for days or weeks or months and think, "Yep, I'll put that one to bed," and then you find yourself coming back and 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 massaging it. So it's a real continuous improvement type mentality about mm-hmm. it. Um, and and I think keep a really open mind about how and where to use them. You know, mm-hmm. I, I I do use them in sales. I have used them to screen clients that that business hasn't come back. So that's good. I never <laughs> yeah. I never wasted any time. So that yeah. that's that's success. Um, the workshop piece due diligence is another is another area. So I, I know Mind Shop's got a lot of accounting firms that are part of it. You know, the, the due diligence processes that I've typically been part of have been very, um, you know, financial statement orientated, mm-hmm. financial ratios, that sort of thing. When you run these things in parallel to that process, 
Um, you're engaging people, potentially a lot bigger pool than the ones that you're interviewing as part of the DD. So mm -hmm. right now, really how healthy is this finance group in here? Get a range of different opinions. You know, if it validates what they're telling you in the report, it's wonderful. But there's a lot of opportunity when when it doesn't. Okay, yes. there's smoke, there's smoke there. There might be some fire. So that that qualitative quantitative is re really valuable. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And uh, again, I think the you know the grouping of a lot of those results, as you said, you'll start to see the the bright spots and the dark spots in a lot of these these situations yeah. as well. Yeah, the words and the music have got to match, right? Yeah, that's a good way. Good yeah. way of putting it. And any diagnostics you've got planned coming up that you're looking to, to build out even further? I'm, I, I talked to you a while ago about a, a team, teams one. Um, I'm getting, I'm getting closer. I'm not, I'm not quite there. It's sort of a blend of, of value chain teams and, and straight teams. That's the one I'm trying to, trying to finish at the moment. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that'll be, that'll be an interesting one to play around with. Yeah. But lot, lots of quirky ag ones, you know, harvest operations and irrigation and, you know, stuff that's really quite specific to, to what I do. And that's probably the tangent that, that I get dragged off on a bit. But if I know that they're going to have applicability for other businesses down the track, then you don't feel guilty about making the investment. No, but I think what it's doing is systematising, as you said at the start, a, a big chunk of your business that um, is a win-win for everybody is what I'm seeing and gathering from what you've been saying that, for people that are time poor now, they don't want to spend a whole workshop or a meeting just being interviewed and gathering all this data. So if they can have that time to think about it a fair way in advance, tease it all out, then that's great for them because they've incubated ideas. But then I think for yourself, that's allowed you to incubate the good ideas. So I think the richness of the outcomes there for everybody, and, and I'm hearing that everywhere at the moment, pre-work, 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 leverage the diagnostics. And I think that's what I'm taking out of this is making sure that people do them with a distinct purpose to elicit insight and save time yeah. and allow that, I think, the richness of some of those things to come out. And I, and I think if you haven't scripted the questions like that, you, you, the chances of you going in and interviewing and nailing every aspect of that process and asking, for, asking all the questions that you should, there's no way that you're going to execute like that. No. So, so if you've made the, spent the time and, and built the depth into the thinking that's in there, then you can almost, okay, I know that's on the shelf. You can pull it out yourself before you've got to go back down, you know, intensive labour harvesting systems or maintenance function or, you know, it could be quite diverse. I, I can't keep all that stuff in my head. No. So you, it allows you to sort of really bring all of that experience to bear each time you're doing it. Well, and yeah, just grab off the shelf what you need in advance yeah. of it. And especially if people have got teams as well, to be able to take the, the wisdom that somebody's injected into something like that and get the, the benefit of that rather than heat a battle trying to yeah. remember it on the way through. Yeah. Good stuff. All right. Well, thank you so much for sharing no, all your pleasure. insights today. I'm sure people will hopefully be able to go away and take some of those into what they're doing with diagnostics and pre-work. And um, yeah, thanks for coming in and sharing your time. No, my pleasure. Thanks, James. Great. Thanks, Cheers. Simon.